0: Welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon, recorded for September 5th, 2021, titled, There is No Roadmap, by Rev. Sarah Cooper-Seerite. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It feels a bit like Jesus is all over the place in these two stories we've just heard. Quite. Literally, there's no logical road map for where he is headed here. We, We try to trace the path that Mark has him on from Tyre, a wealthy northern port city on the Mediterranean, to the Decapolis, a region inland and south of the Sea of Galilee. Yet to get there, or to return, as Mark says, Mark takes him instead further north, along the Mediterranean to Sidon, still on the coastline, just to turn him back around and down again. It makes neither cartographic or logical sense. It would be akin to perhaps going from Philadelphia to Providence to get to Atlanta. Your in-card navigation system would redirect repeatedly before virtually rolling her eyes and shutting down, not quite sure what kind of mess you've gotten yourself into this time. It's a bit, though, how I experience many of us feeling, me included, these days. That is, all over the place. We check our email each week with the question, will we be worshiping outdoors with the birds and the lawnmowers, or online from the safe distance of our couches, or in the sanctuary with our masks on. We check the paper each day wondering, will the numbers have gone down? Will communities have survived yet another storm? Will people have found safety? We check in with our bodies and our minds and our loved ones worrying, is this the right decision for right now? Is there anything else I can do? Is there anything I can look forward to? We feel joy tinged with uncertainty and possibility hindered by hesitancy and optimism held in check by reality. And frankly, we don't quite know what to feel one moment to the next because our faithful hearts are beating both with the joy and the pain of living in this moment in history when there is so much to take in. And so much that is unclear. Jesus, a bit all over the place himself, walked into that house entire, I imagine, at a particular moment in his own ministry. Just to set the stage, he arrived there, having just left a crowd, according to Mark, before whom Jesus took a challenge head on. He remade the understanding of purity laws before the scribes and the Pharisees, the disciples, and the crowds gathered. It is not what is outside that defiles, he says, but what is inside that comes out. All of our well-crafted statements and well-intended allyship are fine and good, but the integrity of our convictions From the inside can be seen only how we love our neighbor in real time. So after all of this arguing back and forth, Jesus was seeking some peace, a place to get away, to be on his own. And Mark has him travel all over kingdom come in these next two stories, really just to make a point. It's not necessarily the geography. It's the people that matter right now. Jesus is now, you see, among the Gentiles. Jesus assumes that these are not the ones to whom he has called, though. He assumes that he can get some space way out here, perhaps. but. His very own rebuke on purity and purpose are about to meet reality. And it seems that he fails his first test, even while his own words are still ringing in the disciples' ears. This is not the way that we like to find Jesus. As one oft quoted commentary puts it, caught with his compassion down. The Syrophoenician woman meets Jesus in a particular moment in his ministry, and she is not willing to let him go without getting what she needs. It's like Jacob and the angel with whom he struggles all night, not willing to let go until he receives a blessing. But this woman is not looking for a blessing. She wants something more tangible, healing for her daughter. It is purely self-motivated act on her part, one that many of us can surely understand. At all costs, whatever is necessary, including getting into a battle of wits with God incarnate, exhausted and grumpy, whatever it takes, this mother is going to make sure she does everything to see her child well. We speak often of the unchanging nature of God. There is a security in this for us, I think. For while everything else whirls and storms around and within us, at least we can hold fast to the immutability of the divine. But scripture doesn't really bear this up for us. Surely, while God is firm beyond all measure in comparison comparison to the shifting sands that sway us, we do see quite a lot of evidence of the changing nature, the adapting of our God to us in relationship with us. After the floods, the rainbow. After Jonah's condemnation, and the Ninevites' repentance, grace. At Moses' pleading, another chance for the idol worshiping Hebrews. God changed God's mind about the disaster to be brought on the people. God changed God's mind. It actually reads instead, God gave them the law and a leader to keep going. We laud the immutability of God, but we rely on the grace. And it is on this grace that first the woman and then after the community of the deaf man also rely we have found jesus at a particular moment in his ministry and it seems to be a moment of growth of adaptation that impacts mission it is a moment a series of them it seems of interactions and relationships that expand outward the mission of christ not only for the jews but for the gentiles that is us and thereby the whole world. It was personal for her, of course, but it became personal to him. Like the very miracle he then went on to perform on the man Jesus allowed his own ministry, his own self to be opened up and released from what was binding it. Jen Brothers is a pastor, counselor, and the co-founder of House of Bread, a small nonprofit providing job skills training, mentoring, and friendships to formerly incarcerated women through baking and selling bread. Brothers writes about the challenges the church has faced over this last year and a half, the particular moment in which we find ourselves feeling a bit all over the place. She says that we have certainly learned a lot how to record and edit video for worship, how to create virtual vacation Bible school, how to blend a choir of many voices from individuals in their own living rooms, how to care even when you cannot sit beside. These, Brothers affirms, are important for sure. Yet, on their own, these are not likely to change the character of our ministry in any significant way. These were technical fixes to technical challenges, figuring out our way through when all of a sudden we were a danger to one another. On this side of things, though, in the face of everything that makes us feel right, now that we are all over the place in the church and outside of it she wonders if we are willing and ready to engage on deeper challenges as she writes adaptive challenges are those for which there is no roadmap, no communal well of expertise from which to draw These are the challenges we avoid because they require a shift in the status quo and in our hearts. If we want to make progress on adaptive challenges, we must discard some pieces of our personal and collective DNA, a habit, value, belief, or priority, so that more people can get what they need, so that more people can thrive. This, I think, is the expanding that the woman who stood before Jesus was demanding of him to see her, to care for her pain, to help her to thrive. It feels like these are the kinds of challenges that we are wandering around these days. I've heard you ask these questions. The ones that ask what does it mean to be a person of faith in a world of ongoing glo- global pandemic the politics of which continue to turn us against one another and the inequities are revealed right before our very eyes what does it mean to be church in a world awakening more and more to white supremacy and its deadly impacts while our siblings of color wonder where we have been all this time what is just in a world of uncertain economy and unstable job markets? What is loving in a world reeling from yet another catastrophe of war, heartbroken as families flood into our airport and many others for refuge while their loved ones remain terrified? There are no roadmaps for these kinds of challenges. No answers to what ministry, let alone life, look like in the face of any one of these things, much less all of them. No easy way to set our course down Interstate 95 South until it turns to 85 and get off at MLK Boulevard. I think we are a little bit stuck, to be honest. Tired, exhausted, overwhelmed, wanting space there's no shame in that we already see that jesus has his moments we know that there is such a thing as compassion fatigue outrage fatigue but at some point we have to find our way unstuck we desire release While it would be easier to find that quiet place to assure the technical fixes along the way, while there is still a lot of effort to be put in sticking to what we know, because even what we know is changing all of the time, but for the Syrophoenician woman, but for the ones who call out in our midst outside of it doggedly insisting that we pay attention that persistent voice pushing us to see something or someone to shift and refocus and expand towards that which we could not comprehend before bishop douglas miles is a longtime pastor and organizer in baltimore he spoke to a group of faith leaders with whom I met a few years ago. We were gathered to learn how to integrate community organizing practices into our ministries. As we discussed how to promote cultures of change and resiliency in community, Bishop Miles urged that the practice of evaluation after every ministry, every action, every program was important to cultivating this resiliency and growth. He offered three basic questions. In one word, how do you feel? What went well? What could be done differently? He went on to say, in terms of growth, that to grow is to outgrow and to outgrow is to move beyond ways of acting and thinking to which we have become accustomed. To outgrow is to move beyond what we have become, to what we have become accustomed. What if this were the call that we accepted as the church to outgrow? to the point of fundamental shifts in our life together that make room for us to meet adaptive challenges? What if through the process of evaluation regularly we are attuning ourselves more readily to the voices calling out to expand our ways of being? We are about to enter into a time in our life together, offering up these very opportunities for expansive growth. This fall, we begin a new regular partnership in worship with the saints at Wesley AME right here in Swarthmore. And we are working hard to renew our efforts to welcome refugees into our area. Both of these efforts are informed by difficult but necessary growth that we have had over this last year and a half that convicts us of our call to be and to cultivate anti-racist community. And there will be times along this way when we will feel uncomfortable, when we will long for the assurances of what we know, when we will want to fix, when we will worry that we are not doing something just right, or we will realize that we have overstepped. There will be a tendency to plan and to over plan and to plan again, only to have everything that we have planned upturned by something we could not expect. There will be some who think we are putting too much into this effort and others who will think it is not enough. And alongside all of this, there is incredible potential for joy and laughter and singing and praying and friendships made and trust built and our souls strengthened and our faith renewed. And this, I think, is what it will feel like to be in the midst of growth that can, and God willing, will change us, because these ministries are rooted in the relationships we open ourselves to, in the ways we are willing to listen. God willing, we may find release from our wandering and renewal on right paths. Astounded beyond measure, unable to hold it in that we worship a Christ who cares more about people than place, who hears those who cry out, who heals those brought to him, a Christ who causes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. A Christ whose body now is ours, whose mission is ours, whose hands and feet and minds and heart are ours. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon recorded for September 5th, 2021, titled There Is No Roadmap by Reverend Sarah Cooper Seary. We'll see you soon. May the peace of Christ be with you.